0: uh the 15th the Ides of March do you know what the Ides of March is
1: beware the Ides of March from Julius Caesar
0: yeah but do you know what it means
1: like beware that's the day that you're gonna be fucking iced out
0: yeah yeah okay all right I'm not a fucking (laughs)
1: Nimrod (laughs) all right here we go Hey everyone, welcome to a special bonus episode of What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Wither and I'm joined as always by my best friend Nick Dilstel. How you doing there, Bubba?
0: Excited to be here.
1: Yeah, we're coming in. Coming in hot. To bring you the Oscar nominations or Oscar nomination reactions because you probably know the nominations by now. And we're going to talk slash complain about them for a few minutes and we really appreciate everyone tuning in to join us. It's Monday, March 15th, the Ides of March. And the Oscar nominations were just a couple hours ago. So we are kind of processing this in real time. We were actually texting about them and I was like, I know we were going to jump on and do this tomorrow on Tuesday. Do you want to just do it now? So you're getting raw intel. We don't have... We have no notes. I have a ballot printed out of all the nominees we're going to go through and just a bullet point here, there. But yeah, this is going to be raw reaction. So what do you think out of the gate 2020 slash 2021
0: Oscar nominations? Knowing what I assumed we were going to be getting from this year, I'm actually um, more surprised than not with the nominations Um, if anyone listened to our top 10 of, uh, 2020, you will, you will hear a very, very different list of movies that, um, we feel were the best works of the year. And some of those are not represented here for a number of reasons, um, financial, political, this is just how the industry works, but in kind of gauging how the, uh, landscape was going to go with this I have to say that there were some genuine surprises that I was happy that were there and some that I'm like it'd be great if this was there
1: yeah just like our top 10 lists this is kind of grading on a curve we're on a scale here like you know I'm able to watch the Oscar nominations a little earlier than you presumably you didn't get up at 5 15 a.m I'm on the East Coast, so I was up, and the first thing I texted you was something kind of negative, and then when you got up, your reply back was, yeah, but, like, if – when we put – your reply was essentially if we put all this into context, like, it's not that bad of a representation of this year. Yeah. It would be a bad representation in another year, but either way, this is what we have, and – If people listen to our episodes in order, I always tease what the next episode is going to be at the very end of our episode. So I said at the end of our last episode that we were going to try to play nice for this one
0: and, you know, keep things positive. And that's what we do. Um, And this also comes in a really, really perfect timing because if anyone's following us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast on Twitter, we are running a countdown to the Oscars uh, series that's kind of – coming off of the heels of our favorite movies of the year series that did really, really well. So um, anyone who wants to jump on Twitter and follow us along as we do that, as we count down to these Oscars, it's a lot of fun and um, people really love it. And it's a great way to engage with us personally because we're on there every day. So come check that out.
1: Yeah, it has been. Nick runs that and you're doing a great job. And it's just been a lot of fun to kind of focus on just those five movies from every year, because, of course, we'd love to play the game of who if we could pick any movie, what would we pick to win best picture? I mean, that's kind of what we just did going through our favorite movie of every year. But now, you know, some of those years you don't like all the five movies that are nominated. And I even text you. I'm like, man, some of these years are rough. like I I don't have really a standout winner here, so I'm just going to pick one. And that is the game of playing Oscar. You may not see everything, you may not like everything, and you may really love something that you know has absolutely no chance in winning, which there is certainly one of those for me this year. I found a ballot online that someone has assembled of all the categories, and I figured we'd go through them in reverse order. So the way this ballot is laid out we're going to it ends with visual effects which is where we're going to start and we will end with best picture we're going to skip over some because we have not seen any of the shorts live action or animated or documentary so you know no disrespect to them but they ha- they are not available to us so on we go we'll do visual effects i'll just read off the nominees and then we'll talk about it for however long we want to i don't know how much we have to say about this one best visual effects love and monsters the midnight sky mulan The one and only Ivan and Tenet. This to me is Tenet by a mile. I'm really stunned that that did not have a better showing in the technical awards here. Um, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I haven't seen all these nominees. I haven't even heard of some of them. But yeah, Tenet, visual effects were stunning.
0: And I also really, um, I, I enjoyed for the most part the visual effects of The Midnight Sky was actually uh, mm-hmm. I was a fan of that movie. I I, I like that one.
1: Next up is Best Sound, which is really interesting. Yeah, this is crazy because this traditionally is two awards: Best Sound Mixing and Best Sound Editing. And now I missed this memo. They have compounded it into one Best Sound, which will certainly be. Easier to digest for the general public. I guess I won't have to be explaining the difference between sound mixing and sound editing anymore, but I'm going to do it right here. I was going to say, do it one last time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I am. I'm going to do it right here because this is really important. Because if you look at best sound, the best sound, sound editing is the creation and assembly of the sounds you hear on screen. So recorded sounds, dialogue, sound effects, ADR, Foley, that's sound editing. Sound mixing is mixing. All of those together in post-production so that it sounds good. Now, this is really important because in the list of nominees, I'll do them really quick for this year's Oscars. You have Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, Soul, and Sound of Metal. What is very distinctly missing from there is Tenet, and that is because the sound editing in Tenet is flawless. You really, I mean, you just feel immersed in the world of that movie the sound mixing is arguably the most controversial sound mixing I've ever heard in a major American blockbuster because people argued constantly that they could not hear the fucking dialogue in the movie over the sound effects. Nolan admitted that he did this on, did this on purpose. He kind of toyed with this in Interstellar. Tenet took it to a whole new level. So here you have a movie with amazing sound editing, but with sound mixing that a lot of people hated and it missed the boat here for best sound. And there's probably like, two people listening to this podcast that will care about how nerdy I just got, but that's for those two.
0: <laughs> and no and that's a huge deal. I'm actually a little um, I'm not I'm not so pleased that this got compounded in that way because we would and for those two other people that are listening, um, when these categories would come up in the Oscars, we would have a pretty good conversation about the difference and what we actually thought, was the best and for all the nerds like these are kind of the politically untouched categories for the most part where it's like Mm -hmm. no one really cares about these so let's actually award it for what we think is the best work of of the year so by doing this exactly now tenant is out of that and we have just best sound and i think that just gives a, a false idea of what sound actually is in a film It just to kind of appease the masses.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you might hear words like nerds and geeks said a few times, especially in this episode. We say that as terms of endearment, because if you just made it through my best sound spiel, then you know we are self-admitted Oscar nerds.
0: We're the mad film buffs. There you go.
1: Um, next on my ballot, I have the two I best short live action, best short animated. We're going to skip those. I hope we have the opportunity to see them. I usually, so do you, make it a point to try to see those. I used to love to go in the theater, and then when that wasn't available, some now they release them for a fee kind of online, but usually only like a week or so before the show, but I don't know. They're fun to watch because people put their heart and souls into those movies and this is like their shot and I don't know. It's just cool. As someone, we are people who make short films, so I always love to give them a shout out, but we can't reasonably talk about them right now because we haven't seen them. I hope they're good. Well said. (laughs) Best production design is next. That's traditionally sets. That's what you're talking about. I've heard this referred to as art direction in the past. It's now production design. So you have The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, and Tenet. This is the first mention of The Father. This appears to be a major player in this awards race. We've seen it mentioned at Golden Globes and SAG. The general public, including myself, does not have a chance to see this until March 26th, when it will be available on streaming for a fee. You, of course, are a member of the Screen Actors Guild, so you have a digital screener that you can tune into soon. But so, yeah, I can't comment on any aspect of The Father yet. I'm really curious to see that one. That's really the only major one I haven't seen. Um, For production design, I'm going with Mank to win. Interesting that uh, Ma Rainey, based on a play, was nominated. We've talked before about how it's really hard for stage plays to transition to the screen. And in some regards, it looks like the Academy thinks Ma Rainey did that, and others not so much because it's absent a little bit here. But yeah interesting to see it pop up there, but my vote would be mank
0: i mean mank is just it, it's it's beautiful in its production design, and you know and something also to think about with production design too is it's it, it sets but it's also props it's also all the little things that are used in a given scene that um make it so specific very true so like even like the scenes where he's in bed and you know like the things they're serving him and like the props they're using that's all part of production design so thinking about it like that helps kind of you understand how much that award entails
1: and also why not bring this up now mank pulled away with the most nominations of the day it has 10 there are a few other movies vying for six nominations each but Mank pulled away, which is really nice. I just love Fincher puts so much care and attention into every aspect of his movies, but he typically makes very nihilistic films that don't get a lot of major Oscar attention. So stuff like Benjamin Button, which is not my favorite Fincher film, far from it, still got a ton of nominations in these technical categories. And that's just, I don't know, it's nice to see a Fincher film get recognized so highly. Absolutely. Next up is best original song and I have virtually no comment on this cuz I cannot think of any of these songs like I can't draw them to memory.
0: I um I so I I'm familiar so as of right now with th- 3 of them. And for my money I don't think it'll ever get better than Speak Now from One Night in Miami. I mean that would be my vote. Good choice.
1: For I I think that'll probably win best song. It wouldn't surprise me, but yeah, that's that's a good pick. Next we have best original score. We have Five Bloods by Terrence Blanchard, Mank, and Soul, both by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. Soul has an additional credit. And then we have News of the World and Minari rounding out score. So dual noms for Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is pretty huge. I love Terrence Blanchard. He's been Spike Lee's composer forever. It's his second nomination. That's great. Really, really crazy that that's Five Bloods' only nomination after Black Klansman's really high showing in 2018 so that's that's something we can even unpack and get into but most notably I can't believe I'm coming to Tenet's defense again because I really wasn't the biggest fan of that movie but I'm stunned that that missed out from best score that is one of the it, that is my that was my favorite aspect of the movie it was the thing that fully worked it's by Lugwid Gronson and he just won this Oscar for scoring Black Panther so I'm I'm just really surprised that one didn't make the cut.
0: Yeah, and this is one of my favorite categories of the whole entire Oscars. I love score. And so looking at these nominees, I'm kind of feeling a little without about it. Um, I have not seen Soul, but that won the Golden Globe for this. And I'm actually very, very curious because I'm under the understanding that it mixed soundtrack and score in a very unique way. Um, so I, I, I'm really I'm wanting to see that movie because I, I want to understand how th- that worked and how they infused that, because that seems to be a very cool thing.
1: That and The Father are the main ones I'm missing. So I agree. I, di- I need to see that. It'll just be cool to see Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing an animated film, an animated yeah. film score. It'll be fun. Next up, we're going to do best makeup and hairstyling. This has been a fun category in the past. This is where they gave an award to Dallas Buyers Club, and famously, their makeup budget was like $250. <laughs> this year, we have Emma, Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, and Pinocchio. I'm going for Mank again. I thought everything about the technical aspects of that movie worked.
0: Yep, I agree. You got to go with Mank on that one, though. Emma was probably going to, you know, that'll probably win. Those period movies always do.
1: Yeah, period movies, they're a sucker for period films. And Ma Rainey, I guess. Well, Mank is a period film too. So, I mean, I I don't know. Yeah. On our top 10 of 2020 episodes, I was kind of down on will Mank be remembered? And you said you thought it would do a sweep. I don't know if you meant wins or nominations, but it did get the most nominations, as we said, and maybe it does end up winning the most Oscars because it wins these technical ones. I don't know. I could see Mank taking a lot of the technical awards or none. I don't know. It's this year is impossible to handicap.
0: It would be my bet that it it will take a lot of the technical awards. That would be my hypothesis, if you will.
1: Best international feature film. I apologize in advance. Another Round, Denmark, that's great. That made my top 20 of the year. Better Days from Hong Kong, Collective from Romania. That is a fantastic film that I briefly mentioned in top 10 of 2020. I'll get to that one in a sec. The Man Who Sold His Skin and QO Vadis Eda. So Another Round and Collective, I'm here for both of those. Another Round had a good day, a much better day than they were expecting. We'll get to that in our penultimate award that we talk about. But looking at this, another round gets my vote um but please don't sleep on collective i'll talk about that one again in a second but that's that's a really good movie really intense movie
0: and i'm hearing great things about better days oh really that's a movie that i've heard come up on twitter quite a bit um so i'm very i mean and these are again like for the for the mad film buffs these are important categories so watching best international feature film A lot of the times they're better than what's actually being presented for our best picture categories. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Seeing that I have not seen, I, I loved Another Round. So that gets my early vote in this category. But I am very, very excited and curious to see the rest of these films.
1: Well, I'll I'll skip ahead to best documentary just because it's very rare that Collective, which is nominated for best international feature film, is also nominated for best documentary feature. That does oh. not happen that often. It happened recently with this movie Honeyland about um, a beekeeper a few years ago, actually for the Oscars. But so that's cool. That's kind of my other you know, kind of push for people to check that one out. But rounding out documentary feature, we have Crip Camp, which I've heard good things about, but haven't seen. The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, which I think is on Netflix, I've heard people talk about. And Time, which is a really devastating movie that I mentioned in our top 10 of 2020 about a woman documenting her husband who's in jail for 20 years and she's documenting it like the whole time with her kids. It's really good. I believe that one's on Amazon, but... Of those, collective gets my
0: vote. That made your top ten, did it not?
1: Um, I think it made an honorable mention. Okay, uh, Rewind was the only doc that made my top ten. That was also what on it was. Amazon, yeah. yeah. Rewind, Collective. I mean, yeah, th- it's all good stuff. Best film editing is this is one that I always urge people to pay attention to because for a while there, and I don't have the history of it in front of me, but for a while it was really good to handicap that whatever won that would win best picture. Because when you think about it, best editing, you're talking about the assembly of the film, like all of it put together, not just the order of the scenes, but picking out shots and also editing the effects with that, the sound with that. So this is a really important award. And over time, it's gone to sometimes it's gone to more action, heavy films. I I think I can remember off the top of my head because this award is so good at predicting what's going to win best picture in 2007. It was, it was like, is No Country for Old Men or There Will Be Blood going to win this award? It was really close. And then the Born Ultimatum won, I think. So like yeah. shit like that happens and you go, okay, so now I can't. That's hard to predict. But this year we have The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. None of which, I must say, excluding The Father, which I haven't seen, really stood out to me for any type of special editing flourish. Except Sound of Metal, which did use different components of editing, including sound, in a really, really unique way. But other than that, this was a kind of a lacking category to me. I was really surprised to not see Mank here. Considering that juggles time so well, it's jumping back and forth. So in terms of just editing, I I don't know, very interesting to see Mank missing.
0: You know, I'm glad you got so specific about that because I think that's another category that people might not really quite understand what that actually means and and what it entails. Uh, The best way that I could always kind of simply sum it up is that your film edit, the edit of the film, is the final draft of your script in a way Mm -hmm. because it comes from the writing, you get what you get when you shoot, and then you put it all together. So when you think of the editing it is the final presentation of your project as a whole i agree i think mank missing here is a little um it's a little confusing as to why but my vote would go for sound of metal for the exact reasons that you listed when i saw the editing for the father i thought it was yorgos lanthimos because i thought the, it was La- him too yeah and i got so excited because i go i didn't know the father was directed by yorgos <laughs>
1: yeah It's interesting about editing, talking about this Mank snub in which Mank is a movie told out of chronological order. They may nominate a film like that, but they don't – best editing, they don't really like to go and stray and give award movies that do those type of flourishes, the type of stuff you and I like. I think um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo jumps around a bit. That's just just flashback heavy, actually. The Social Network does a good job of jumping around. Those won – Slumdog Millionaire, I guess, jumps around, but not really. That's like a traditional, we have a key event and then we're just filling it in with flashbacks. But like jumping around like uh, 21 grams, like they don't usually do that. So anyway, that's my best editing rant. (laughs) Let's move on to best costume design. That's pretty self-explanatory. Best costume design and best makeup and hairstyling. Very often the nominees are identical. Not this year, but very often it's the same winner. This year we have Emma. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Mulan, and Pinocchio, I will go with Mank because it's nominated. But something like Emma, which really was kind of stunning to look at, like it was a gorgeous movie. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that one, too.
0: And of course, you've got Anne Roth, who is the queen. Um, I don't think there's anyone in the movie industry that is more highly recognized in the world of costume design than her. And she's nominated again. Maybe she'll win again. She might. (laughs) Maverity's Black Bottom had great costumes.
1: Best Cinematography, an award you and I always love. We famously, not famously, we stood up and cheered and hugged the first time Roger Deakins won. What a moment for Blade Runner 2049. This year, I text you. The first thing I text you is I said there was only one time during the reading of the nominations. I was watching them live where I stood up and was like cheering. And that was during this award. Because Best Cinematography, we have Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank. News of the World, Nomad Land, Trial of Chicago 7. And the cheer comes for Sean Bobbitt. First yeah. nomination for Judas and the Black Messiah. That's so, we love Sean Bobbitt. That guy made me deepen my appreciation for cinematography in a way that I did not know was possible. And that was because of the film Shame. And I had already seen a few movies of his, but he did, he works with Steve McQueen. He didn't do small acts, but he does. Um, He did Hunger, Shame, 12 Years a Slave, Widows, Place Beyond the Pines, and now Judas and the Black Messiah. And Judas and the Black Messiah is a movie that looks really, really good. It was shot on film. Um, He is not going to win. This kind of sounds like a Nomadland win. Mank is also – it's tough because that is a really well-shot film and what he did. But I just love that Sean Bobbitt is nominated. You know, sometimes – we have to celebrate. The reason why I watch these nominations live is because we have to celebrate these as their wins because he's not going to win. And then my favorite nomination of the entire day, which we'll get to shortly, that person is not going to win. So I, when they were nominated, I was like, oh, that's so cool. I didn't know they were going to be nominated. I hope they're celebrating because there's no way they're winning this. But what a great thing.
0: And one thing I want to go on a rant about with cinematography too is um, we talked about this a little bit. Cinematography does not mean photography. No, I you know the I mean you can make a beautiful looking image on screen, but cinematography is how does the camera best tell the story that we're seeing? How is that being used to tell the story that we're seeing in the most emotional way possible? That's Right for the choices that the director and DP are making. So, um, you know, you can get a very beautiful looking movie because there's beautiful shots. But is that the camera and the lighting and all of that telling the story the best way? So to kind of just think about it a little bit deeper than what um, just surfacely seems what that category means. And yeah, Sean Boba getting nominated is is incredible. I I I hope he wins. I don't I don't I don't think he will either, but uh my vote here would go for Mank.
1: Yeah, Mank looks absolutely stunning. And yes, there's a lot more to cinematography than just like a pretty background or something. This is, you know, but that doesn't mean that what you and I think is quote-unquote the best-looking movie is going to win because this mm-hmm. is another kind of controversial award. Now more so than ever because of the reliance of visual effects. Yeah. And that is kind of what's interesting because so how important is that to cinematography versus a category like best visual effects? Like Avatars won this award over The Hurt Locker and The Life of Pi, which is a really, really heavy. I mean, you could almost <laughs> call the movie an animated film that wins best cinematography. So it's really interesting to me this year that Nomadland is kind of pulling ahead to be the winner when it doesn't rely on visual effects and lately they have liked movies that rely on visual effects that's all moving on to animated feature again i don't have a lot to say we have onward over the moon Sean, the sheep movie farmageddon okay soul and wolfwalkers soul is the only one of these i've heard of and that's usually a good indication that it will win so i yeah that's all i got to say <laughs> I'm going for Farmageddon, though, man.
0: I think I got to as well. I'm pulling. I'm Wait. pulling for
1: Farmageddon. I'm. I'm going to go watch that shit. I'm going to watch it tonight.
0: I did not. I did not look closely enough at that category this first time around, so I did not see this title. Is this maybe the best title ever up for an Oscar?
1: Yeah, Farmageddon. The Sean a Sean the Sheep movie. A Sean the Sheep movie colon Farmageddon
0: all right armageddon
1: moving on to now we have the big ones the ones that are left are the heavy hitter awards first we'll do best sporting actress maria bakalova for borat subsequent movie film that is hysterical that she got nominated in all the best ways glenn close for hillbilly elegy olivia coleman for the father amanda seafrid for mank yu jung yun for minari I'm glad Amanda Seyfried got in there. I at one point thought she was a lock to win this. I don't know about anything anymore. The actress from Minari is getting a lot of praise. So maybe she was the best part of that film for me. So maybe she sneaks in there. Um, (laughs) I'm not trying to be negative, but this is, we have a very, very rare thing happening in this race right now. And that is that Glenn Close, darling Glenn Close is nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie for the same performance in the same year. And that is very, very rare. And that movie had a lot of issues. The public kind of bashed it really quickly. I'm surprised that she got a nomination. I love Glenn Close. She w- she, the, the faults of the film were not hers. I should be clear. Not at all. She's giving it her all, like everything. But it surprised me that she was there. And then I'll, I'll shut up. But Maria Bakalova is nuts because you have to keep in mind that every single thing she does in the film is improvisation. For the most part, and she's improvising with one of the best all time improvisationalists. And no one I had never heard of her, so the fact that she's keeping up with Sasha Baron Cohen
0: is awesome. Yeah, she gets my vote for this. I'll just be honest. I mean,
1: (laughs) what do you think of the dual Oscar Razzie nominations?
0: I think that's one of the best things I've ever heard. (laughs) That's, I mean, honestly, like even if she won because of that, I would like that because I that I think that just goes to show that everything is so like subjective.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So Glenn Close getting an Oscar and Razzie is incredible.
1: It's really maybe she'll be a good sport about it. I remember, I think Halle Berry won the Razzie for Catwoman in like 2005, and she showed up and accepted it. With her Oscar from Monsters Ball that she won a few years earlier, and it's like that's awesome. She had a smile yeah. on her face. It's like I mean, no one likes to say that their work is the worst of the year, but I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully she has a good spirit about it. You know, I'm gonna move to I'm gonna keep it supporting. Move to Best Supporting Actor. Here we have a fun category, a little weird. Sasha Baron Cohen, Trial of Chicago Seven, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami. Paul Racy, The Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield is a huge surprise here. No one, I don't think, had thought about him, dot, 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 in this category. That is not a supporting performance. He is the lead of that movie, and I don't know what the – there's some Oscar politics here – uh, probably because Best Actor is locked and no one is going to win. There's a winner there, and then there's just four other nominees along for the ride. And maybe they thought if entering Lakeith Stanfield into that wouldn't into that race. That's the only thing I can think because Daniel Kaluuya, his story is supporting the Lakeith Stanfield story. So I'm I love that they both got nominated. It's just so weird to me. And then we and then uh, why don't you talk about your favorite nominee? Who I'm sure is your favorite nominee.
0: Yeah, I, I really loved Paul Racy's performance in Sound of Metal. Uh, th- that was that was just for me personally a performance that really resonated. But yeah, it is a very interesting category for Lakeith Stanfield to be in. So, yeah, so my vote goes for Paul Racy in this category. But one that I would have loved to have seen get in here was Kingsley Ben-Adir for One Night in Miami. Uh, That was one of my favorite performances of this entire year. I really uh, was floored by him. Um, Yeah. Interesting stuff.
1: Yeah. And Kingsley played Malcolm X in One Night in Miami. And Leslie Odom Jr. got the sole acting nomination. And I think that's probably because of the last 10 minutes, which I spoke of very highly in our top 10 of 2020 episode. Um, He really, really sticks that landing and nails it. There's another huge omission here, which is Delroy Lindo being absent for Defy Bloods, which is really, really fucking bizarre. And that was another one where I don't think people knew where to place him if he was best actor, best supporting actor. That, again, is an ensemble film to me. So I think he is very clearly supporting but I have to assume that Lakeith Stanfield took his spot because he's the surprise here. So that I, I saw film Twitter kind of uh, alive with the absence of Delroy Lindo. And that is a shame because that is a career I've loved for a long time. And he is astounding in Defy Bloods.
0: He is. And and Delroy has kind of been getting snubbed this whole entire uh, award season. You know, so it, 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 along the way, it's sort of he, it's always been. Why is Delroy not in any nomination for anything? Because he should be.
1: Since we're talking about Best Actor, let's move to Best Actor. Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins, The Father, Gary Oldman, and Mank, and Steven Yoon Minyari. This is a great nominee. I'm really happy Riz got in there. He really, really deserves it. He, we're going to be seeing a lot of him for the next, you know, Uh, 30 40 however many long years i'm very curious to see the father because go anthony hopkins this is chadwick boseman's award this is your lock of the evening and you can call that now and that's just really fucking sad but that is what's gonna happen on oscar
0: night And and such a well-deserved win, Mm -hmm. well-earned. It's the saddest aspect of the whole entire category because, you know, he won't be there for that. I mean, he he, he left such a powerful resonating performance that's just undeniable. Uh, He's just undeniable in his work.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, Best Actress, this is the award I've been alluding to all episode. We have Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Audra Day, The United States vs. Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand, Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman, Vanessa Kirby, have a glass of champagne, have a bottle. You deserve it. You earned it. I don't really think there's a chance she's going to win, but this I was so, so happy that she got nominated. I didn't know if it was going to happen because... The movie has a little controversy right now, not because of her, but there's just some stuff swirling around. But I'm really glad at the very least that she was nominated. I loved her in that movie.
0: It's it's just a knockout, I mean, punch in the gut, once in a lifetime t- type of performance. You know, I, you hear a lot on uh, film Twitter uh, about comparisons to a woman under the, a woman under the influence, mm-hmm. deservingly so. Um, I mean, I think this is probably the toughest category of the night in terms of what was put forth by all of these women in their work. It's all just amazing, amazing work. What a powerhouse category here. It really is. And
1: this is one of my favorite awards of the year because I'm looking at this and I am seeing this as a four-way split, a four-way tie between Viola Davis, Audra Day, Frances McDormand, and Carrie Mulligan. And I don't know, I do not know which of the four of them is going to win now because Audrey Day, I hadn't I, you know, heard much about that performance. She wins the Golden Globe, which surprised a lot of people. I just watched that movie this morning after the nominations and I was like, okay, I see why she got nominated. Okay, great. So you have a lot of stuff going on in this category that it's going to be really interesting to see how it all ends up. All right, let's move on to Best Original Screenplay, we have Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago 7. First, right away, gotta say, Sound of Metal, Derek C. in France, first nomination. Boom! I mean, I was so happy just to see his name, but I thought he got nominated for Screenplay for Blue Valentine. And I don't that was just in my head that he did. And then when I looked it up, I went, holy shit, this is his first nom. So that's really, really cool. That's a good year for him coming off. I know this much is true. A story yeah. slash screenplay credit for this. Like, that's really cool. I don't think I'll win, but it's really cool.
0: Yeah, I was that was one of the things overall I was I was kind of very happy to see Sound and Metal get so much attention in its categories that it did, especially that one, because I mean, yeah, I did not expect uh, that that to to pop up for the screenplay category and I'm so glad it did yeah
1: it's re- it's great I don't know maybe this is promising young woman wins or Aaron Sorkin for trial of Chicago 7 I don't know he already has one for the social network so I don't know if they I don't know what they'll do here
0: yeah I don't know either if I had to pick like just what I think that they'll go with I I would I my pick would go to Ch- trial of Chicago 7 is what I think would might win this one and
1: that actually may happen for another reason that we'll get into shortly but first, we have Best Adapted Screenplay, Borat, Subsequent Movie Film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. The White Tiger is, it only got one nomination, but I had never heard of that, honestly. But I, I want to see it because it's a major award and it's on Netflix. So I'm like, okay, I'll throw that one on tonight. So easy to find. Um, I'm stunned at the same time thrilled that Borat is nominated since... Uh, presumably most of it is improvised. So I don't know what like screenplay they're working off of technically, but I, I don't know. It's um, we blew past it. I totally forgot to mention an original screenplay. Mank is missing written by David Fincher's father, Jack's. There's some, I kind of understand why it's not there because he wasn't a screenwriter. Traditionally he had written for, you know, he'd been a journalist and stuff. So that's not too surprising, but yeah, adapted screenplay. Borat's funny.
0: Yeah, I got really nothing for this category. <laughs> um, I mean... It, I
1: wasn't I, really wowed by the nominees. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I'm glad One Night in Miami got got in there. Um, that would probably be my personal pick, what I would pick for it. Uh, but I have not seen The Father yet, so that could change all that as well.
1: That's true. Very true. Best Director, they've had some fun with this recently. They nominated the director of Cold War, and now we have Thomas Vinterberg kind of getting that foreign film best director nomination for another round. I really love that. I don't know if anyone expected that. There must be, I would imagine a lot of alcohol being consumed by by him and his (laughs) cast and crew, Mads, you know, tonight. Uh, Mank, David Fincher, Minari, Lee Isaac Chung, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao, and Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennel. So let's get some of the big things out of the way first. This is the first time we've had two women nominated for best mm-hmm. director. That's really great. First time we've yeah. had a woman of color, Chloe Zhao nominated for best director. That's really great. Uh, if what is to believe now happens on Oscar night, it sounds like she's going to win. I She would not get my vote. It would be Fincher. It's it's just got to be Fincher for me. Um, I was surprised that Aaron Sorkin did not make it here for trial of Chicago seven because that movie seems to be getting kind of a lot of love so maybe that's why he will get best original screenplay. I don't know, but kind of a fun, unexpected best director race.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy Vinterberg got in there for another round. That 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 made me very happy. Uh, I think Chloe's a lock in kind of what I think would win.
1: That's what it sounds like. I mean, I don't know what it's going to take Fincher to have, this is a whole other podcast, but Fincher's never going to win a best director award for his more nihilistic work. They're just not going to award that. So, and then maybe the social network is too cool. Maybe that's why he didn't win. I don't know. But he very rarely gets sentimental. Benjamin Button, which I have, you know, some issues with. And now Mank is a subtly sentimental film. And I I, I don't know. I just don't know what movie he's going to make that's going to appeal to the masses again. And I really wish he had a better shot at winning, but it doesn't sound like he does. Here we go. We made it to the end. Best picture. The father, Judas and the Black Messiah. Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of the Chicago Seven. That's what the 2020-2021 Oscars have for us. That's the best of what they have to offer. If I'm voting, I'm going to go with Mank. I don't think it's going to win. It kind of, it it just, it sounds like we're going to have a Nomadland year. It sounds like it's going to do picture, director. Screenplay, cinematography. So, I and maybe that happens. I'm what do you think about just about the category as a whole?
0: You know, like I said before earlier, like if you listen to our top 10 list, we have a very, very different list. I think the only movie that all of, that between you and I that we have, uh, Sound of Metal and Mank are the only movies that we that are even mentioned in our top 10s yep. that are in here. So, looking at the work, I can only kind of go with. What I think the Academy would go with here, I think anything here could probably take it. But I have said after I saw The Trial of the Chicago 7, I go, oh, this is going to win the Academy Award. And maybe. Yep. I just thought that this was the Academy type movie.
1: Well, it's very traditional, like Oscar qualities, Mm -hmm. and it touches on the current politics of today, which are important to most Oscar voters.
0: Absolutely. Um, but I just will be, you know, I just have to say, cause we haven't said it the entire time is that, uh, mangrove from the small act series. Yep. I just wish that that was, uh, in there.
1: It's the better version of trial of the Chicago seven.
0: Yeah, exactly. In our, in, in, our humble opinion. Um, but my pick for this category was going to go to Chicago seven, just because that was my gut reaction when I first saw it. of Like, this is going to win. So we'll see what happens. But that's who you think will win. Yeah. If you voted, would you vote Sound to Metal? Like if
1: if ones you want to win?
0: Um, You know, I'm looking at all of these categories and I have yet to see the father.
1: I think on March 26th, we should live... Watch the father and record it, and then (laughs) release it as a podcast episode. (laughs) What if it's the best movie of twenty twenty one or the of this Oscar race that we see? And we're like, holy shit! We're like sobbing (laughs) and in tears, or you know, I would. Oh my god. I I'm, I'm looking forward to it because that's like the last one that I have.
0: What if like it would be so funny <laughs> if we were like dude, this is the best movie ever fucking made. <laughs> that would be oh
1: man, I I would flip out, that would be hysterical. But no, like if you pick just like your favorite movie
0: of that list. I'm so torn because I think Mank is the is the is my favorite Oscar movie that would win it, but Sound of Metal is probably my favorite personal movie of this list.
1: Yeah, and there's a difference. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. Um one thing that's curious, if we're just going to talk about snubs, I was it was interesting to me that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and One Night in Miami are not here, especially considering that you can have five to ten nominees. You're, I, how that happens is way over my head. The nomination process for Best Picture is incredibly complicated, as is the process of picking one to win. It's very difficult. None of the other categories have this complicated process, but some years, seven movies are nominated for Best Picture, other years, nine. I don't think ten have ever made it, but if there are ten spots available and these two have done, they've done really well critically and among audiences, and they each have a few nominations, so those are probably the biggest snubs that I noticed. Not ones that I would necessarily put in, but...
0: I have two snubs that I that I just feel um, in throughout this whole entire uh, list of everything. Um, one is Delroy for Defied Bloods, and then... Um, This is a hot take. It's a controversial take. Um, We are planning to do an entire podcast episode on this movie, but Malcolm and Marie, Mm -hmm. the lack of anything from this movie is, in my opinion, a snub because I thought that movie was one of the best pieces of work I have seen in quite a long time in every category that's there for it. Even if you're talking about production design, you're talking about cinematography, you're talking about screenplay, you're talking about performance, where the fuck is Malcolm and Marie? It's a hot take. Hot take.
1: Yeah, that's where we're going to end the show because that is our tease for the next episode. That's going to be our very next episode. And I held, we wanted to record that a while ago and I held out saying, what if Zendaya gets nominated? Like what maybe, it didn't seem like it was going to happen. It would have been fucking great if she did. It would have been great if that... Picked up a lot of nominations. Needless to say, if our top ten of 2020 was like a top ten of 2020, 2021 Oscar movies, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's so weird this year. Because that movie was released in like January. That would have made both of our lists. Like we both loved it. We're gonna unpack it in our next episode. And yeah, I'm really bummed it didn't. I think it pissed too many people off to not get a nomination. But it's a shame that she didn't because I loved her in it so much. But all right, well. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this rundown of the 2020-2021 Oscar nominations. The Oscars are going to be on Sunday, April 25th at 5 p.m. West Coast time. We're going to be watching them together come hell or high water. We will report back after those awards to talk about all the winners.
0: Keep up with us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast as we continue the countdown to the Oscars. I'll be there. Alex will be there
1: by the time this episode is released yeah we'll um we'll be right at the end of the 70s and nearing into the 80s not the yep. strongest decade for best pictures but it's fun when it gets to the 90s but yeah hop on tells what you would have chosen for certain best pictures but thanks as always for listening and happy watching hey everyone thanks again for listening you can watch my films and read my movie blog at alexwithrow.com. NicholasDostel.com is where you can find all of Nick's film work. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. Sometimes I don't know how to go out. I'm like, just in, dude.